just for a second. You can keep playing, Sister Becky. I don't know if anybody else has problems in their lives. Maybe it's only me. Maybe I'm the only one that goes through trials. But if you are having things that are going on in your life, they may be spiritually, they may be financially, it may be relationship-wise, and there is nothing you can do about it. It's out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. He is the one we can lean on. Amen. He gives us wisdom. He gives us grace. He knows what we're going through. And whatever the pain, the ache you are going on in your heart, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm leaning on you. Because there's absolutely nothing I can do. And I don't know what to do, Lord. I'm just leaning on you. Amen. I'd like you to think about that as we sing that here again. Well, I'm learning to lean. Yes, Lord, I am learning to lean. Well, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And I am finding more 
sing it one more time. Oh, well, I am learning to lean. Lord, I am learning to lean. Yes, I am learning. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Lord, I am learning to lean on Jesus. Amen. Is that your prayer? Just learning to lean on Him. Amen. Sister Becky, if you just want to play something softly, we're going to uh, open the service in word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Chris if he'll come and open the service in word of prayer. We've got quite a few prayer requests. We've got, as you can tell, we've got a lot of folks missing uh, this morning. A lot of folks, a couple, two weddings yesterday, so lots of folks uh, away with that. So, um, But uh, we want to remember the parks. There in uh, Texas, I want to remember uh, Brother Tom Ward, Brother John Harwell, uh, Brother Matt Cross and family. All those folks are uh, not feeling well. They're at home today. The uh, drums are home not feeling well. We want to remember Brother Troy Hughes. He's dealing with a kidney stone uh, at home, so we want to remember him. Uh, the Cockmans are all... Uh, Gone up to Michigan at Brother uh, Paul LaFontaine's. They're uh, up there playing and singing for their uh, fall festival up there for Brother uh, Paul LaFontaine. If you've got any unspoken prayer requests, you want to just make it known. Brother Chris, if you'll just come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come to your house. Lord, as we're here, we want to lay ourselves on the altar at your feet, Lord, and just present ourselves as sacrifices to you, Father. Lord, we've heard the needs that have been brought before the people. Lord, there are many that are traveling, many that are sick. Lord, many other needs in the body here, and we just ask that you would have your perfect will in each one of them. Lord, grant traveling mercies, grant healing in the body. Lord, grant a peace that passes all understanding for for all of these needs, Father. Lord, we ask that you would be with Brother Barry as he brings forth the word this morning. Lord, our our ultimate desire is that you would reveal yourself to us in a greater way this morning and draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing this song before we're seated. Let's start at the, the verse there. Daystar. Lily of the valley. Let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of share and show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Real fairest of ten thousand me a reflection of your life. 
Amen. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you've opened up the door. Take what's wrong, make it right. I say, day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I see a world that's dying. Wounded by the master of D.C. Groping in the darkness Haunted by the years of past defeat But then I see you standing near me Shining with compassion in your eyes I say, Jesus shine down on me, amen Let your love shine through me in the night Hallelujah What's wrong? You can make it right. I say, Jesus, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Let's sing the first chorus again. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow.
and shake hands with those that are around you. Welcome our guests. We're going to have Sister Munch who's going to come and sing for us here while they're uh, getting ready for her to come. We've got a few folks uh, that are visiting. We want to say thank you for coming. Uh, we're a little empty today. It's always, always nice to have visitors. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, so please forgive me. Is it Jose, Elias, and Israel? Did I get that right? Manleys from uh, Happy Valley, so it's good to have them here with us. Brother Ted, Sister Suzanne, is that correct? Is that that's Sister Leah's parents? They're here from Florida, I believe. Is it Florida? All right. And George and Melissa as well. All right. Good to have them. Anybody else here that I've missed, uh, just want to say God bless you. Uh, it's good to have you here, and hopefully you feel comfortable here with us this morning. talking about headwinds. The Lord brought this song to mind. I'd forgotten about it, kind of. And he's just been nudging me. Every time <laughs> Every time Pastor Ray talks about headwinds, I keep thinking about this song. So. The chains were fastened tight Down at the jail that night Still Paul and Silas would not be the 
Amen. I sure appreciate Sister Munch and Brother Munch a lot. Amen. He does want to hear us sing. Amen. When everything is going tough, rough around us, um, he definitely still wants to hear us sing. We're going to ask the ushers uh, to come here in just a moment. And uh, while they're getting ready to make their way up, just want to remind everybody about camp coming up. So we want to remember uh, all the youth that will be going to Bethel uh, for camp. And a lot of the folks here will be counselors and helping out there as well. Let's stand. Ask Brother Johnny if he could ask the blessing on the offering. Let's sing um, one song uh, as we get ready for Brother Barry to come. I'd like to uh, sing It Is Well With My Soul. I really like this song because when uh, life is rough, like I was saying, you know, we were singing uh, Learning to Lean, it's still well in our soul. Amen? The rest of us may not feel that way. The rest of our body or the rest of a situation, whatever we're going through, may not feel that way, but it is still well within our soul. Amen? That seed that we have inside, Satan can't change that. He can buffet us all he wants, but it's still well in our soul. Amen? When peace like a river attendeth my way Amen. And hath 
love this verse. Will my sin, oh, the bliss of this glory, a thought. Will my sin not impart, but the Father, we come in your presence this morning, Lord, and bow in your 
August presence, Lord, because we know that even though our eyes cannot tell, we believe we're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are in the presence of you who have created the heavens and the earth. You're the one who made us, Lord. We are fearfully, wonderfully, uniquely made. And we stand, Lord, in your presence today and ask, O oh God, that you would just be merciful to us. Come, I pray, on the scene, Lord, and minister to every heart and give us understanding, Lord, that exceeds human understanding. Give us, I pray, Lord, revelation, Lord, that exceeds any kind of knowledge that exists in the earth. Father, I pray that in that you would build our faith, Lord, to the place where our bodies would become lighter, we'd be a step closer to the kingdom. Lord, have your way in our mints, Lord. And I ask that you would minister to those who are sick and those that need your touch today. And there are many, Lord, that listen, and I pray that you'd be gracious to them. Father, we know that your presence doesn't depend on a place or, Lord, a geographical position, but you can bless people, Lord, no matter where they call upon you. And I pray now that you would take complete control of everything that's done today for your glory. We give you the day like an offering and say, Lord, consume it and consume us, Lord, and move us out of the way that you can move among us, I pray. We believe you to be a God who is a healer and a savior and a deliverer. We believe, Lord, you're a God of miracles. And we have seen that and we know that to be true. Lord, have your way now, we pray. And we commit the day into your hands in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. God bless you. We'll let our musicians take their places today. And certainly uh, good to have all of you here today. We, uh, we appreciate God's goodness to us. Got through all the weddings uh, yesterday and uh, it was a blessed time. And we appreciate uh, the opportunity to be witness of these young people who are starting their lives together. And... Uh, we are glad for those of you that are here that uh, were around yesterday, and uh, we trust that God will speak to your heart today. That's my prayer anyway. Now, uh, I did not mention some of these last Sunday here, so just let me catch up. The Browns anniversary was uh, October 5th, right? I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but how many years? 21 years. 21 wonderful years. And uh, may God bless you both. Also, it was October 12th was Sister Trisha's uh, birthday. And uh, I know they're here somewhere outside, I think. And uh, we wish Sister Trish happy birthday. And Brother Tom Ward. Brother Tom has not been feeling well. And uh, we certainly want to hold him up in prayer. When Brother Tom misses two services, we need to go to prayer. Uh, that's for sure. October 13th was Brother Samuel Pugh's birthday. Brother Samuel, God bless you. How old are you, were you on your birthday? 41, really? Wonderful. We appreciate the pews very much. Appreciate having Ruby with us today. And uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't want me to make a fuss. But I will tell you, that testimony of her, uh, of her experience has gone around the world. And I've had people from other countries who have contacted me and said, would it be all right if I shared this with my church? And I said, absolutely. October 15th uh, is uh, today, right? It's Alora's birthday. Is that right? It, where is Alora? Alora, how old are you on your birthday today? F- four years old. Wow, God bless you, Alora. Happy birthday. October 17th is uh, Brother Dennis Shepherd's birthday. 
October 18th is Daniel Cockman's birthday. Brother Daniel's not here. And Brother Joe Drum. Spoke to Brother Joe this morning, and uh, they wish to be remembered in prayer today. And uh, also October 20th is Eli's birthday. Eli, good to have you here today. Just wanted to show you a couple of quick pictures here. This was uh, a picture that I love. It's in Pakistan. They're receiving materials over there. And uh, I, I just had to hand, it, uh, hand a, a rose to Brother Anwar, who does such a fantastic job in not only translating, but getting everything printed and distributed in the nation of Pakistan uh, with great opposition. In uh, Tanzania, this was a group that uh, Brother Angelus, who's on the left over here, the man on the left, and um, this is Brother Exaud over here, and he's uh, an evangelist that works out of Brother Elias's church. And uh, they went and visited his uh, church in the south there. And uh, all of these ladies who were in the picture were baptized. This is a picture of their church. And uh, they have great walls. But they don't have a roof on their, on their church there. But they're a, a, a little group uh, that's in the wilderness and uh, uh, holding, uh, holding services there. And you know what? Despite the fact that they don't have a roof and despite the fact that they don't have anything, hardly... They're doing something right because the Holy Spirit is moving and they're baptizing converts. And, I, you know, I just, I, I love that and I just appreciate uh, so much the work that they're doing. Now I'm going to ask you, there's a, a brother in Brother Elias's church and his name is Brother Freddie. And uh, he, uh, he contracted AIDS um, in a, a, a fashion because he received blood uh, that was tainted, and in that country, blood is not always screened as well as it is here. And he's in very serious condition, and they've asked us again to remember him in prayer. So, um, sorry, I don't have a picture of him here, but we certainly do want to remember uh, Brother Freddie in prayer. Now, after service today, like I said on Wednesday night, I'd like to talk just for two minutes to the people who are going to the camp this coming week, all right? Uh, so if you're going to be at the South Carolina camp, which is actually South Carolina, North Carolina, because it's in Brevard, North Carolina. And they say when you walk from the dining hall to the cabins, you, you cross state lines. Uh, so figure that. Uh, but if you're going to the camp, if you could, whether you're a chaperone or a camper, just stick around after service today, and we'd just like to have a quick word with you uh, before we go. Brother Tim Ashong uh, is in the country, and uh, his wife is not with him, Sister Joanne, but he's here in the country. He's in Connecticut today and uh, going to be flying over tomorrow. He's going to be here and doing some follow-up with the doctors from his surgery. And uh, he'll be here uh, this week and this weekend he'll be visiting us. And so we're looking forward to seeing Brother Tim again. He looks fuller and healthier and uh, he's uh, been doing really well. But uh, the doctor advised him to come back for a follow-up. Let's stand to our feet this morning and I want to jump right in. Let's go to... Uh, two places in the Bible, and we're going to go to <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31 first. Jeremiah chapter 31. And in 2019, I did a sermon called Prophecy 101. In 2021, I did a sermon called Prophecy 201. Today, it's 301. So we're moving up. And uh, we want to... I wanted to put it under this, this sermon this morning. I wanted to put it under the umbrella of the subject of prophecy. We're talking about some of the things that are very 
pertinent and relevant to our day. Now, I'm going to ask you to look at a couple of places in Scripture uh, with me. And first of all, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 31. And I will tell you that these entire chapters are significant here. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to this one, especially in Jeremiah chapter 31. So it says in verse um, 17, And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. And I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastened me, and I was chastised as a bullock accustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. And surely after I was turned, I repented, and after that, after that I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh, and I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. May the Lord add his blessing. You can be seated this morning. Now, take your Bible, and let's go to the book of Zechariah. Now on Wednesday night I started a little, uh, just a little uh, thought and I was, we were talking a little bit about some of the current events that are taking place and uh, probably most of you like me were bombarded with headlines and things online uh, that are taking place over in Israel, very significant. We had to cancel our tour uh, going to Israel this November and uh, airlines are still not flying and there's uh, trouble on, on three of the borders there, three sides of Israel. And uh, it's becoming a little, uh, a little hostile, uh, to say the least, especially in the southern part. And uh, uh, tourists were advised not to travel in Israel at this, at this particular time. There are, a matter of fact, there is a bunch of Americans who are trapped inside of Gaza. And uh, Egypt agreed this morning to let them uh, go out, travel through Egypt if they had an American passport. But Hamas jumped in the middle and uh, prevented the Americans from leaving there. So uh, with two aircraft carrier groups in the Mediterranean Sea, that's not a wise move on the part of Hamas. Uh, but uh, every day uh, something changes. As a matter of fact, every day something changes. Uh, you know, someone's in contact with me about things that are happening. On Friday, uh, you know, we were at the rehearsal. We were waiting for everybody to get there for Tyler and Ashley. And we got word that Mitchell had been in a car accident uh, on his way coming there, and uh, he was fine, but and he made it eventually made it to the uh, to the re- to the rehearsal. But every single day, uh, there's something that takes place, and it's just the world we live in. It's the times we live in, and uh, it would be elementary for me to say that every one of us ought to be ready, ought to be on guard, um, because there's something that takes place every single day these days. And so we want to be certainly mindful of our position that the devil does not want you to gain the access uh, that God has given to the, to the bride of Christ, right? We have a goal. That goal is within sight. Uh, we know where we're going. We know uh, uh, that many of these things are prophesied, and that's what we're going to be studying a little bit this morning. And uh, the devil fights very hard when it comes to the end and people receiving that, uh, that prize, that, uh, the thing that they have, uh, they have longed for. 
And so we live in a time uh, that's just like that. And it is rather sobering. It is rather uh, a serious time. So we want, certainly want to pay attention to uh, where God has placed us. And uh, we want to do the very best. And we want to be focused on the things that matter. And uh, there's a lot of people who feel like, well, you know, I can drift from here to there. I can roam from here to here. I can pay my tithes if I want to. And if I, you know, I, I can be indifferent about going to church or whatever else. Uh, and I will, I will say to you, that's not a healthy attitude to have in times like this. And uh, even though they may seem like small things, God wants you to be in the place he's placed you. And like Brother Danny said when he was here, Brother Danny Steeman, you have to use the resources God's placed in your hand. And he's placed the word right in our hands. That's sword of the word of the Lord and open the book. And uh, the thunders have sounded and we're living in a serious time. And uh, God wants you to rise to that occasion. He wants you to sober up. He wants you to act like mature Christians that we're supposed to be at the top of the pyramid. And uh, to make our stand for the things that are uh, of God. And uh, I will tell you something that the devil doesn't want you to do that. He's trying to discourage families. He's trying to discourage individuals. He's trying to take away the gains you've made. He wants to destroy your investment in the kingdom. And uh, he wants to do everything he can to discourage you and turn you away. And uh, there's a lot of people who are discouraged because of things that ministers do and things that happen in churches and so forth. And it kind of makes the feeling, well, all, all preachers are the same and all churches are the same. And I'm here to tell you, they're not. They're not. Because if, if all of it is corrupt, then God failed. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't fail. He knows exactly who he's calling. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knew exactly what he was doing when he sent this message. He knew exactly what he was doing when he chose William Branham to bring it. And I believe that he knows exactly what he's doing in our day. Brother Branham's not here today. You're here. I'm here. And God knew exactly what he was doing. And so therefore, if we are the call for the hour, we should act like it. We should live like it. We should believe like it. We should apply the word to our lives like it. And we should live like we mean it, mean it like we live it. And I believe that uh, we should be looking, holding our heads high. And like Jesus said, when you see all of these things, lift up your head. He said, your redemption draweth nigh. You want to be looking in the right direction at the right things in our time. And uh, be ready for the, for, the, uh, for the events of tomorrow. Because every day something happens. And one day, one day, bride's going to leave here. Bride's going to leave here. You've been warned. One day the bride's going to leave here, and I want to be ready for that. I'm doing everything I can to encourage you to get ready for that. I want to go. I want to take my family, and I want to go. The way to do that, safest way to do that to me is apply the token. Apply it in your house, apply it in your car, apply, apply it on your phone, put the blood everywhere you can put it so that we're under, uh, we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the protection of the Holy Spirit. David wrote in Psalm 27, which Brother Branham used for the rapture sermon, he said, in the time of trouble, he will hide me, he'll protect me. And we're under the right covering, we're under the right token, under the right banner, and uh, we have nothing to fear going forward. We have nothing to fear going forward. I said we have nothing to fear going forward. We should have an expectation on our heart and uh, that God's going to fulfill everything that he said. All right. Now, let's, uh, let's just begin. A couple of quotations here to get, you, uh, get the juices flowing here this morning, and uh, we'll get it done. Now, I have greatly enjoyed the congregation, Brother Branham said, your fine response to the ministry and to the messages, and the great thing that God has done for us. He said, it's just unlimited. And we'll never know what it's meant until we cross the other side because seed has been planted that will come to life in the days ahead of us. You see what he's saying? 
that there are things that are happening and there's seeds been planted. It won't come, won't come to pass today, but it'll come to pass in the days that lay ahead of us. And you know what we're living in? We're living in those days, right? We're living in those days of the harvest time. And many have been healed. Probably at this moment knows nothing about it. And after a while, you'll find out it's gone. That disease you had, it's gone. And we find that, we find that so much. And it just, it, it isn't just what you see happen. So it isn't just what you visually can see, but God's at work. And I just want to remind you that there are all kinds of things happening in the spiritual realm that we often don't see, but they're happening anyway. Right? God's watching over us. God watches us even when we sleep. He has angels that are encamped around about us. Right? And God said to the children of Israel, don't ignore him. That angel's around you. Don't ignore him. He's there and he's watching over you. And he can keep the enemy away and he can protect you in difficult times. And Brother Bram said there's people here, they're receiving the message, they're receiving the, the response to the word is a positive thing. And when that happens, let me tell you, you invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to do good things in your life. Right? It may seem like a simple thing for you to write a check and pay your tithes, but somebody's watching that. And God's able to channel blessings to you when you do that because you're doing it in faith because it is a part of the word. We may not fully understand, but yet it's a part of the word of God. And God watches over all of our acts of obedience. And uh, he, he, he has resources that he employs uh, in our direction. And Brother Bram said, you might not be always seeing it, but it's there nonetheless. Now, he said in Easter seal, 1965, now, he, Jesus, knew the resurrection would happen because the word said it was. The word said it's going to happen. And every word wrote of him had to be fulfilled. And prophecy never fails. It cannot. How many agree? The word of God can't fail. Now, remember, this is prophecy 301. So we're, on a, we're moving towards a graduate level, all right? So uh, this is not elementary stuff here now. We're moving towards a, a graduate level. And uh, in 1961, Brother Branham said in Micah the prophet, that's the name of the sermon, he said he's still God and he's right on schedule. The only thing for us to do is just schedule our faith with his being here and it'll happen. You see what he's telling us to do? That God's got a program. God's got a schedule. God's got a way of doing things. He's got it all lined out. He's got it all thought out, right? You believe that? Best thing for you to do now is take your calendar and align your calendar with his. Lord, if this is what you want me to do, if this is where you want me to be, if this is what you want me to accomplish, and if this is what uh, goal you have set for me, then I want to mark that on my calendar because that's on God's calendar. And so whatever's on his calendar, let me transfer it to my calendar, and I want to be doing that. Whether I, uh, whether I start a business, whether I sell a business, whether I go to college or whether I don't go to college, or whether I uh, marry this person or I don't marry this person, I want to be looking on God's calendar because he's already got a schedule made out. He's already got a plan made out. Somebody say amen this morning. And I just want to take my calendar, put it right there, and mark the things that are on. My wife and I do this all the time because I need to have it. I need to have it. She has a calendar and everything is marked on that calendar. Every, and I mean, everything is marked on that calendar. And there are times when we'll take our calendars and we'll march into Cracker Barrel like every good couple should do. And we sit down and uh, we'll open up our calendars and, and uh, we'll compare, we'll compare. And mine is usually like this and hers is normally like this. And uh, I, will, I will take my calendar and I'll mark it down and, and make sure that, you know, we've got all of our dates. So-and-so's getting married and so-and-so's, uh, you know, going here and we need to be there and there's an event here and something else. And, 
the only thing that I, <laughs> the only thing that I ever have in my calendar that's written out, the only thing that I ever have in my calendar that's written out, and it's written out every year, is her birthday and our anniversary. <laughs> because if you forget it once, you'll never forget it again, right? So God's right on schedule. And the only thing for us to do, the only thing for us to do is not come up with a schedule. You don't need to come up with an order of events. You don't need, isn't it great? You don't need to come up with a plan. I said, you don't need to come up with a plan at all. God's already got a plan out. You just need to coordinate your schedule with his and get your calendars aligned. I think that's wonderful. And God told Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So an expected end means that we're not guessing about how the outcome is. It's, it's already determined. The expected end is already one that's determined. Take your Bible now, if you don't mind, let's go back to Jeremiah. And we're looking in chapter 31. This is... This is important. I told you to read Zechariah chapter 12. Well, you might add to that Jeremiah chapter 31 because it flows with this one here. Jeremiah chapter 31. Now, these are prophecies in the middle of the return of Israel back to Israel after they came out of Babylon. Anybody hear what I just said? Some of you are returning, which is good. But Jeremiah is prophesying to the children of Israel coming out of, many of them were in captivity, so he's prophesying to them, and he's telling them about this expected end, that God had, hey, listen, don't worry, you're going to be there 70 years, and you're going to come back. It's an expected end. But he was speaking more of just the end of 70 years captivity. He was speaking also of prophetic events that are going to take place thousands of years later, and God has already got that figured out too. He's got to figure out what's going to happen at the end of 70, but he's also got to figure out what's going to happen at the end of 6,000. Are we okay? And, and he's, he's, already, he's already got that all done. And Jeremiah's prophesying about that, and he's talking here in this particular chapter about what happens to Israel at the time of Christ and also at the end of 2,000 years after Christ. Okay? Now watch, this, this is really quite an important chapter, and I won't read it all. Uh, I'd love to, but I won't read it all. But let's, let's take a look. At the, at the same time, saith the Lord, I will, be, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. So God claims ownership now of, of the families of Israel, of the tribes. And thus saith the Lord, the people which were left uh, of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I caused them to rest. And the Lord appeared of old unto me, saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. So when you were an outcast in the wilderness, and when you were wandering around the nations of the earth because you were taken in captivity, and he's prophesying here, and this is actually a dream. If you drop down to verse 25, uh, it'll talk about Jeremiah waking up. And and. There, there, is, there are events here that Jeremiah describes to the children of Israel. And he says, God says, yet I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Let me tell you something. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our God still draws us with loving kindness. He doesn't draw us to himself by a heavy hand and a hand of judgment and condemnation. He doesn't do that. He, he, he'll convict us and... He'll remind us of our sinfulness and our weakness, but he draws us because he loves us. And he still uses loving kindness today. Do you believe that? And, and if you don't know him, you should, you should say, Lord, I, I need that kind of loving kindness today. I need a, an arm put around me and Lord, draw me close to you. 
And, and you, you should pray that way. And I believe that God can still do that. Do you believe that God can still do that? And you know what? In a church like this, it should happen. It should happen. If, if nowhere else in the world, it should happen right here. That, that somebody should feel the loving kindness and the loving hand of Jehovah that leads us back uh, to the tree of life. It, it, it definitely should be in a place like this. Because we are a people who have all had the same experience. And we know what it means to be forgiven. And we know what it means to surrender our lives to Christ. And so uh, in verse 4 it says, And again and I will, again I will build thee. Israel had been built and torn down. He says, again, I will build thee, and, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with thy tabrets, and go forth in the dances of them that make merry. And thou shalt yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria, and the planters shall plant and shall eat them as common things. So notice now, whenever in the Bible that it says, uh, ye shall plant and ye shall eat of the vine." That means that there's going to be a continuance in the land. There's going to be, not a cutoff, but there's going to be people who plant and are around long enough to sow. And they're going to do it year after year. Sometimes God will say, yield plant and another will eat of the harvest, right? And that means that God's going to cut it off. You're doing the right thing, but God's going to cut it off because of your sinfulness. And someone else is going to come in here and eat of the fruit of the land. But here's what he's saying, that I have regathered you back to the land. I'm going to rebuild it again. You're going to dance and you're going to sing and you're going to worship. And it's going to be a time like never before. And he says, I'll build thee and you'll plant vines and you'll eat them again. Verse 7, for thus saith the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations and publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save thy people from the remnant, for, for, save thy people the remnant of Israel. And behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the coasts of the earth. So I'm going to bring the Israelites from Russia and I'm going to bring the Israelites from the former Soviet Union and I'm going to bring the, uh, you know, the people from, uh, Turkey and, uh, all of the northern nations, Iran and Iraq and all the, all the nations that are north of Israel. I'm going to bring them down. The people have tried to hold them with an iron hand. And I believe, saints of God, when, uh, the, the, the iron curtain fell, I believe there was two distinct reasons that God had. Let me tell you, there were no political powers on earth that existed that would have been able to break the iron curtain. But God broke it for two distinct reasons. And one of them was to get the Jews out and get them back to Israel. And as soon as that, uh, that opening came in the Iron Curtain, there was a lot of Jews that fled back to Israel. And now there's a huge contingent of, of, of Russians in Israel. But the second reason that uh, I believe the Soviet Union, uh, the Iron Curtain fell, was to get the message in to the elect of that, uh, of that uh, nation. And uh, I, I believe that that, in, that also has, has happened, and uh, we're enjoying seeing the fruits of that. And so on and on, it says that uh, you will come into the land, and verse 11, for the Lord hath redeemed, redeemed Jacob and, uh, and ransomed them from the hand of him that was stronger than thee. Now, God is actually saying to, to Israel, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. But you're going to come into the land and rejoice over the fact that God took you out of a land where people swore you'd never get free. That's a God we serve. And God told, uh, God told uh, Jeremiah here, he said, uh, I want you to let the people of Israel know that one day they're going to come back into the land. They're going to be plowing their own fields and they're going to be uh, planting their own seeds in there. And they're going to be watching the harvest come. And they're going to be thinking about the land that they came out of. And those political leaders said, you'll never get free. We're going to keep the Jews here. We're going to strip them of all their wealth and all their, uh, all their gold and all their positions and everything else. We'll destroy them. We'll grind them into the earth. And like 
Hitler said, we'll burn them in ovens. And we'll, uh, Abdul Nasser said, we're going to push them into the ocean off the uh, coast of Egypt there. And we're going to do all kinds of things to Israel. And they're still saying the same thing, that we're going to do all kinds of things to Israel. And God is saying thousands of years past, he says, tell them that I'm going to deliver them out of a nation that's stronger than thee. And there's no nation strong enough to keep them out of the land of Israel because I'm going to bring them back. And he says in verse 12 and 13 and 14, he said, there'll be no sorrow. Uh, there'll be, uh, there'll be no, uh, there'll be no, uh, mourning anymore when it comes to that place. And then if you drop down in verse 15, I, I mean, I'd love to do the whole chapter here, but just take note here. In verse 15, 2,000 years ago, thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. And of course, this is when all the children were killed in the days of the birth of Jesus. And the very next verse says in verse 16, thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears. It's a sad thing, and there are sad things along the road. There are sad things that happen to us along the way. But he says, a great thing has been done in the earth. So hold on, Israel. A great thing has been done. Thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thine end. There's our text. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again uh, to their own border. I have the end in sight. I know what's going to take place. And you know what? It's rocky along that road. There are things that are going to happen along the road that you're not going to be able to predict. Come on, folks. Think about your own life. Think about your own children. And think about, you know, the the calamities that happen and the incidents that happen and the things that have gone on in your life that if you could, if you could do anything, you would reach out and embrace them and hold on to them so they didn't happen again. Or somehow or another, I could reverse it. I could stop it. I, I, I made have not said that or made that decision or whatever else. And, and there are going to be rocky times along the road. There are things, mistakes that you've made personally. There are things that you've made, uh, mistakes that you've made maybe as a family or as a church. There are things that we wish we'd never done. And being human, that's a reality. That's a real thing. But I will tell you something. God is saying this to Israel. He's saying that when it comes to that point, he says, I want you to know that even though those things happen in life, I know the end. I know what's going to happen out here. And I know how it's going to come out. And, and, and there are things that are, that, that in your life that exist now that you may not see how God's going to sort it out. But I believe that God knows what the end of that is. And you have to lean on that. You have to trust in that. Because God knows exactly where this is all going to go. And he says, and there is hope in thy end. And God is very concerned about the end of every one of our lives. So now, if you don't mind, drop down again in, uh, in verse 20, uh, 22. And he says, now how long, how long will thou go about, O backsliding daughter, for the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth? And a woman shall compass a man. Now he begins to talk here about this new thing in the earth. He begins to talk about something that has never occurred before. And he's giving this to, uh, to Israel. So drop down, verse 28, and it shall come to pass that, like as I have watched over them to pluck up and break, and break down, and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict. I was able to do that. I had the power to do that. So will I watch over them to build and to plant uh, saith the Lord. So I have the power to break down. 
And I brought armies in to make that happen. I brought negative uh, things happen in, in your life. But he said, I also had the power to build up. So God's able to turn this both ways. And he says, when we come back into Israel, there will be a perfect justice and so forth. But 31 now, he, he defines this new thing. Are you ready? This is something Israel's never heard now. This is prophecy given to Israel. Everybody with me, say amen. All right, behold, verse 31, the days come, saith the Lord, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the hand of Egypt. That's the days of Moses, right? In the days of Moses, what did Moses get? Two stones with stony law, right? Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. He got the commands, he got the law. So I made a covenant with my fathers in that day when they came out of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, saith the Lord. So now that was that covenant, but he's prophesying now in Jeremiah, but a new covenant. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it where? In their hearts. And will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no watch, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. That's how, up to this point, that's how Israel, that's the only way, hear me out, that's the only way Israel ever passed on the knowledge of God was from father to son, grandfather to grandson, father to son, and, and on down. That's how they did it. They taught their children the law. They sent them, uh, you know, to the Sunday school back in that day, and they sent them to listen to the rabbi. That, that's, how they, that's how they knew the Lord, because they didn't have what we know now as a new birth. In the Old Testament, they didn't have a new birth. Isn't that right? So they had to teach the knowledge of the Lord. They had to pass that on from generation to generation. And that was their responsibility as parents. They had to teach them a trade. They had to teach them about marriage. And they had to teach them about Jehovah. And that's what they did in the Old Testament. It's the only way that a new generation knew about God was that they heard it from their parents and their grandparents. That's, that's the way they always had it, right? But now, here's what God's saying. I'm going to do a new thing. And <clears throat> I'm going to create, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to create a new covenant with you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my law within their hearts. And now no more someone will have to say, know the Lord, but they shall know me now because you know why? I'm going to put my spirit within them and they're going to be reborn. And when they, when they come alive in that, in that uh, context, when they come alive in that experience, when they come alive in that encounter with God, they'll know me. And you know what? That's still really true today. When you have an encounter with God, you know that there's a God. You know that he's real. You know that he's more than just, uh, you know, someone who lived 2,000 years ago. He's real in your life. Has anybody here ever experienced a new birth? Has anybody here ever experienced a new birth, been filled with the Spirit of God? This does not come by passing it on physically to your children. You cannot force your children to know him. You cannot make your children to know them, him. You cannot uh, teach it enough that kids would get it and be born again because they sit here in the church. That's kids, that's not how you get it. Adults, that's not how you get it. You get it because you come under this covenant that God said, I'm going to put that law within their hearts and I'm going to make it real to them personally and they shall know God and no man's going to have to teach them. Because that's not how it comes. Under this new covenant. Now remember Israel had never heard this. As a matter of fact. I would imagine when Jeremiah said this out loud. Nobody really understood. What he was actually talking about. 
Verse 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that the new birth he's describing? Is anybody happy about that? Is anybody happy about the fact that, hey, you know, your new birth was described in Jeremiah chapter 31. Way back there, God said, you know what? I'm going to deal with the sin question. That's going to be taken care of. He doesn't say anything about Calvary. He doesn't say anything about how it's going to happen. He doesn't say, uh, he, he doesn't say anything uh, about this. He doesn't, he doesn't show that back there. In, in, he does it in other places in the book of Isaiah. But, but he just says, trust me, you'll know me. When that experience happens to me, you'll know me. Don't worry. You won't be confused. You won't be deceived. If you got the real thing, you got the real thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. When you get the real thing, you'll have the real thing. You know what? He, he, he doesn't have to go into a lot of explanation. He just prophesies. How many believe that prophecies never fail? They never fail. They absolutely never fail. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I think it's absolutely a wonderful thing. And God says he knows the thoughts uh, that, that uh, he thinks about us. Now, if you don't mind, just go down to the same chapter here in, in verse 38. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city, the city is, the city is Jerusalem. It shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel, which was a tower inside the city of Jerusalem, unto the gate of the corner. Watch. And the measuring line shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill Garib, and shall compass about to Goeth. And the whole valley of of dead bodies. And he goes on and he talks about the, the, the rest of the scene there he's looking at. But in, in the, as I mentioned on Wednesday night, there's this thing about measuring that God does that is a little bit foreign to us. But it's a big word in the Bible. It's a big word in the message. And here God's saying that I, I'm going I'm to restore Israel. I'm, I'm going to restore the people. I'm going to bring them all back. But he said, I want you to know that the city shall be built to the Lord. It'll be built to specifications. And if you take a line and measure from this tower to this wall, it'll be exactly, it'll be exactly the way that God intended it to be. Now, this, this word measure is, is really interesting. But I want to, just before we focus on it just a little bit further here, we need to understand that there's a lot happening in our time. This is just some of the things that are taking place here. But the, the church is moving into and under, and the world is moving under a dominion of the mark of the beast. In the same way that you're being prepared to live in another kingdom, in another world, in another body, the world is also being prepared and moved and ushered into the reign of the Antichrist. Are we Okay. I mean, according to Bible, you just you need Bible prophecy here. And they're going to obtain, they're going to be given an image 
And the church, not the bride, but the church will be under that influence and the cosmos will be under that influence. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be on that left side of the board. You're either going to one of three places. There are no other options. Hear me. There are no other options. You're either going to the marriage supper, the tribulation, or Revelation 11 with two prophets. There aren't any more options I can give you. We ought to be happy about that. We ought to be happy about the fact that God has given us a place and promised us a place. The marriage supper of the Lamb. But you can see where we're living in a world where emphasis is shifting over to Israel. There are more and more things that are happening to Israel. In the same way that before Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he was occupied with Israel, even while he was still administering in the Gentile kingdom. Right? There was occupation. There was preoccupation with Israel and the brothers of Joseph and the sons of, of Jacob uh, back in the day just before Joseph revealed himself. And Joseph was, where are they? And he's following them. And he's putting a chalice in the bag of grain. And, and there were soldiers involved. And there was, other, other kinds of, there was all kinds of things that were happening, right? Are you following me? He, they still had no idea who Joseph was. They had no idea where they were in time. They had no idea what this all meant, what the type was. Still had no idea who Joseph really was. But you know what? It was all happening here. And more and more and more was he involved with these brothers and so forth because he was anxious. I mean, he was yearning inside of him to reveal himself to his brothers here. And so Israel was coming larger, looming larger on the horizon here before this Gentile bride got put away. And Joseph revealed himself to them. This day, I believe we're living in those scriptures being fulfilled. I believe we're living in the same thing, that, that God is very interested in, in, in where you are and what you're going through. I believe that angels are watching over Ruby. I believe angels are watching over you. And I believe that God is real, right? I believe that God is real. God is close. God is not far away. He's close. God cares about what you're going through. And, and there are, there, we even have close calls. And the close call, the closer the call, the more you pray differently than what you used to pray, Right? You have, a, you, have a, you have a close call, uh, you know, you'll pray differently than how you normally pray, right? Thank you, Lord, for the food. Wish we were in a different restaurant, but thank you for the food anyway, and in Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you, when you have a close call, uh, you'll pray a little bit differently. Thank you, Lord, for the breath we breathe today. But let me say this, when you have a really close call, that's when you really begin to pray differently. When things get really messed up and things go downhill and, uh, you know, you have nowhere else to turn, you'll pray differently when you, when you come to a place like that. When you're, the only place you are is looking straight up and you realize it's got to be God now, it's got to be God, you'll pray a little bit differently over everything in your life. Isn't that right? How many can testify the same thing? <clears throat> God says, you know, uh, uh, all of these things are prophesied the last day and, and uh, Revelation 10, 8, and 11 is where we find ourselves. We're not in the days of Revelation 10, 7, uh, in the physical days of uh, that voice of the seventh angel because the seventh angel's been on earth. He sounded and he's gone. Uh, now we have the same book. We eat the book and prophesy again. You believe that's for you? You believe the book is open? We're, we're dealing with an open book now. The thunders have sounded. Do you believe that? We're living in a time when the open book now uh, is being revealed and, and there's, a, uh, there's a revelation that's happening. There's, there are prophecies that are unfolding right in our time. And, and I think it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. <clears throat> now, if you don't mind, just, just for a moment, take your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 35. There's a reason here I'm doing this and I don't want, you, I don't want to 
burn time, but I want you just to look at Isaiah chapter 35, because 34 and 35, you can read them. <clears throat> and, and, and the reason why I say that God is interested in what's happening to, to Israel in the same way that Joseph was interested in what was happening to his brothers, if you got your Bible, look at it. I'll even give you permission, if you don't have your Bible, grab your phone. And look at it in your phone. If you have a Bible on your phone, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, you should. And if you don't know which one to get, see me afterwards. I'll tell you when I got one on my phone. But don't get on your phone and say, oh, hey, wow. Hello, sister. Brother Barry is preaching about this. Don't you do that. All right. Hey. All right. I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching you. you. <clears throat> or don't start going. <laughs> don't do that. All right. Now watch now, because we're living in a. Important time, Isaiah 34, verse 1. Come near all ye nations to hear, and hearken ye people, and let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth out of it. When is the time that the whole earth can hear the same thing at the same time? But now. We're all banded together, we're all intertwined with the internet, right? And everybody at the same time can hear the same thing. Same headline pops up, bang, everybody's got it all over the world. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. And he hath utterly destroyed them, and he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out. Is this God now wreaking havoc against the armies of the world that are against Israel? This is God enacting vengeance. This is God not slumbering anymore, being distant anymore. This is God on the scene, taking vengeance. People are dead. Okay, this is, what he's, this is what Isaiah is looking at. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of, the, out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Wow. We think of prophecy. Sorry to be so graphic. I know we have all the kids here and so forth, but, you know, we, we, we think of prophecy and back in the Old Testament, and this is, you know, looking way off, and these things are going to happen. The thing is, you're living in a day when it is coming to pass. This is this morning. This was the headline on CNN, and it says... The explosion occurred, this particular explosion here, occurred uh, on this particular street on Friday afternoon, and CNN has reached out to IDF for comment uh, on any airstrikes in the same location. This is the one that supposedly was toward that medical uh, convoy. And the situation is much worse than you see on television, he said. Many bodies remain unidentified, and the streets are filled with rubble and reek of blood. You tell me what that is. That, to me, is Isaiah 34. Now, <clears throat> Brother Bram said, the higher an eagle climbs, the further off he can see. And God likened his prophets to the eagles. And their eyes are made, say it, their eyes are made spiritual. Do you understand who Brother Bram's talking about? He's talking about himself, right? He's talking about prophets, right? Now, Brother Bram doesn't heap glory onto himself or you know promote himself as a prophet he doesn't say that but you understand the type here but the higher an eagle climbs the further off he can see and God likened his prophets to eagles and their eyes are made spiritual and they can see approaching dangers and today God still has eagles you believe that I'm not talking about near-do-well young whippersnappers that feel like they have a gift of discernment and it doesn't work I'm not talking about that even though that exists today People trying to impersonate a prophet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real prophet that God raises up and God vindicates. Because there are people today that are trying to raise up and trying to exercise a gift that doesn't work. And there's a remedy for that in Scripture. It's a shame it's not applied. 
But Brother Branham goes on to say their spiritual sight is far greater than the priests in the temple and beyond the ordinary man in the walk of life. I got to stop and say this. Then therefore, why would you take some minister's opinion about the message rather than the message itself? Oh, Brother Branham lived 20, you know, 50 years ago, and he said that 50, that doesn't apply anymore now, where, you know, a woman doesn't have to, you know, worry about a split skirt or trimming her hair or whatever else. You know what? That man's eyes were made spiritual so he could see in the spiritual realm for you to bring you a message that would help you not get caught up in the wrath of God. Because when God's get, when God enacts wrath, and I don't mean to be scary today, I'm just telling you that prophecy 301, we ought to be on a level where we grow up. We ought to be able to handle the stuff that God is actually saying here. And what he's, what he's saying is that this spiritual sight is greater than any priest in the temple or beyond the ordinary man in the walk of life. So I consider us to be people who walk in the ordinary walk of life because we're not prophets and we don't commune on the level and the height that eagles do. And so therefore, I don't have the spiritual insight that a prophet does. Neither do I have the vindication that he does. So therefore, my best bet is to surrender to that vindication and surrender to that uh, voice of that prophet because his eyes were made more spiritual to see things that I should be doing that keep God happy with me. Are you following me? Therefore, therefore, there is no debate. Therefore, I think when church time comes, you ought to go to church. I think when it comes to receiving your paycheck, I think you ought to pay your tithes. That may be about as popular as a ham sandwich at a bar mitzvah, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's Bible. Hello? Yeah, I just said it. For they are special designed for the duties that God has called them to. And therefore, it pays to take heed. Hey, that's where it's saying all together. It pays to take heed. Now, let me, let's do it again. Let's all say that. It pays to take heed. When we hear those things that are approaching. When things are approaching, we need to make sure that we take heed to those things. Because God's ability uh, to reveal things and show things is an extraordinary thing. Uh, it is an extraordinary thing. Now, if you don't mind, if you have your Bible open, you have it still open to Isaiah, go back to 31. Excuse me, Isaiah chapter 31, and let's look at verse 4. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me. <clears throat> like as the young and the young lion roaring on his prey when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him. Thus hath the Lord spoken unto me like as a lion and the young lion roaring on his prey when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him. He will not be afraid of their voice nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. And as birds flying, so shall the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Tell me where you've seen that in the last week. Maybe those prophets' eyes were made more spiritual than ours because they could see things in the future that didn't exist in the days that they were spoken. This didn't exist in the, in the days of Isaiah. This did not exist. This technology did not exist. And now you watch it, you watch it online, you watch the, 
the birds flying and the Iron Dome and what are all the other technologies that they have here. And you know what that is? That's to prevent those missiles from striking Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And the Lord of hosts will defend Jerusalem as birds flying. And defending also he will deliver it and passing over he will preserve it. Now let me, let me uh, I, I keep coming back to this thing because it's all about Jerusalem. It's always been about Jerusalem and it always will be about Jerusalem. Let me give you a prophecy that was given in the 10th century A.D. by a famous Muslim. And he said, the man who will conquer Jerusalem and redeem it from the infidel, which is the Jew, for all time to come will enter the holy city humbly on foot, and his name is God's prophet. That was said in the 10th century. The man who will conquer Jerusalem and come into Jerusalem and redeem it from the infidel, for all time to come, will enter the holy city humbly on foot, and his name is God's prophet. Interesting, isn't it, that it would have been made in the 10th century. December 19, 1917, General Allenby from England received orders to capture Jerusalem under the control of the Turks. And he wired London for advice. And they replied, Isaiah 31, 4, 5. That's what they actually replied. They sent back and they said, read those two chapters. And he ordered planes to fly low over Jerusalem and drop leaflets that were signed General Allenby. And the Turks misread the name, and they looked at that name Allenby, and they divided it into two words, Allah, which got their attention, and Nebi, which was the name of a prophet, one of their prophets. So they, without ever having seen this kind of action before, they looked at these and they thought, well, man, these must have come from heaven somehow. And when they saw these leaflets and they heard about Allenby coming, they surrendered the key of the city to Allenby, and there were no shots fired. And you know how he came? He came on foot. Here he is right here. And he walked into the city of Jerusalem and took it from the people that held it back in that time. And there were no shots fired. Brother Branham talks about this and he says, Now, on the decline of the world's war, which is the name of a book, General Allenby fought till he hit the lines of Jerusalem. It worked their way through Palestine. That's what it was called back then. And he said they wired back to the king of England and said, I don't want to fire on the city on the account of the sacredness of it. What shall I do? And the king wrote back, pray, and gave him the, the verse of Isaiah. And he flew over it again and said, Allenby's coming. These are the brochures. And there were Mohammedans in there and thought, and thought he said, Allah's coming. And they hoisted a white flag and surrendered, and Allenby marched into Jerusalem and took it without firing a shot, according to the prophecy, and turned it back over to the Jews. It's incredible how God will actually fulfill his word. Can I go a little further? Haggai and Zechariah are two prophets that came out of the exile and prophesied to the Israelites. And Haggai's message is really quite different than Zechariah's. And there are all kinds of components to this that are really interesting to study. They go together. And Haggai says, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? It had to be at least 71 years old, right? To see Solomon's house, the house we left, the temple we left. And he said, who among you are older than that would have remembered Solomon's temple and how great it actually was? And he said, how do you see it now? Look around now. Remember now, this is the one that Zerubbabel and Haggai and Ezra, Nehemiah are working on. Or sorry, Nehemiah and Ezra, they're working on, this, on this, the walls in the temple and they're restoring things back again. And Haggai's asking him the question. He says, he says uh, 
It is not in your eyes, he said. In comparison of it is nothing. I mean, compared to what we left, look at it now in ruins. Be strong. Stay with me now. I'm going somewhere. Yet now, he says, be strong, as Zerubbabel saith the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. We got a job to do. Well, let's get to work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenant with you. And you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. Haggai was reminding the people, God was saying, I'm in this with you. Matter of fact, you're here because I allowed it. And we have a job to do now. And you're my hands, and you're my feet, and you're my strong back. And you're going to lift the bricks and the stones and bring it back into place again. But I, I, I've orchestrated this. I've allowed this. For some of you that may think that, uh, you know, well, we just happen to be born in this age. Let me tell you something. Let me assure you. Uh, the, the reason we're here is not just by fluke. The reason that we're here is not just because of choices we made. God made choices long before you and I got here that God would have you here in the last day. Amen. That God would have you sitting where you are today. And God knows how to juggle things around and move things around and uh, cause things to happen in a certain way so that you are where you need to be to fulfill God's purpose for you. This is not your purpose and it's not your agenda. It's God's agenda. How many can say Amen. And, and you do what you do best. You, you look your best. You're at your best when you obey God's will. You're at your best when you obey God, period. Amen. You're at your best when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're in that channel that God has placed you in. I, I was talking to a minister the other day, and he just, you know, one struggle after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And, and, and just, you know, like nothing seems to click. And he's working hard. He's sincere, trying to do his very best. And nothing is clicking there. And I, I look at it, and I said, hey, listen, uh, in my own heart, in my own mind, I was, just, I was talking to him on the phone, and I've talked to him many times. And I, I, I was just thinking to myself, one day he's going to find that place. One day he's going to find that channel. And when he slips into that and it clicks... You ever put together something that you bought at a store and you hope did not come unassembled? But you put the last piece in place and it just goes click and you're like, hey, yeah, got it. Honey, come look. And and I'm thinking to myself, it's just not clicked because when it clicks and, and it comes together, God is able to take that and use that in a great way. You know, a lot of you, a lot of you uh, will remember Brother Anwar. He's listening today and, and uh, with Brother Anwar from Pakistan. And, and when, when, uh, when for years and years and years the message was in Pakistan, there were two or three churches, you know, maybe 100, 150 believers over the years. And I, I'm not just talking about him. I could, I could go around the room here and talk about some of you. But I remember when Brother Anwar got a hold of the message and God, he was in a Bible school. And, and he, he, so God so illuminated the word of God on basic things, Godhead and baptism and so forth. And he was just so excited that, you know, he, he got out of the Bible school right away. He realized that's, that's not the place to be. And he got out. And then he, then when he, when, when he began to study the message and look at it, he realized, wow, all these people are in the Bible school studying the message. And he goes back. He goes back and looks up every one of them and talks to them. And he, let's go have, uh, let's go have chapatis, you know, that they don't have. Things like we have over here. And they, they, they go out and sit down and talk and take their Bible and, and go through the scriptures. And he began one by one, one by one, he met all these young men. And now there's over, uh, you know, there's, there's over 40 churches in Pakistan. Thousands and thousands of believers that are there. And you know what it is? It's not Brother Anwar the man. It's Brother Anwar in that channel. Click. 
I go around, I, I'm looking around the room here and I look at some of you in your lives and uh, you know, you, you are where you are and you're doing what you're doing, not because you're better than somebody else or you're wiser than somebody else, but God has led you and you've, you've submitted to that and come to a place where it just clicks. Man, it just feels right. And this is exactly what Haggai is saying, that God's got a place for you and God is saying, I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm leading you to do this. And so... uh, Zechariah follows him. And in chapter one, he says, so the angel that communed with me said unto me, cry thou saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I'm jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Remember now, it's always about Jerusalem, right? Because that's God's city. It's the city of the great king. And therefore, thus saith the Lord, I'm returning to Jerusalem with mercies. He's prophesying now. He's coming down towards the end, talking about the end of time. And my house shall be built in it, saith the Lord. It's my house. And here he says it again, and a line shall be stretched forth from Jerusalem. Here's God measuring. Now remember, on Wednesday night, I mentioned to you about the cup of iniquity. That's not yet full, right? It happened way back in the days of Abraham. And somehow or another, there's a measure. You know, there's, there's some sort of a line that we don't really know about. Brother Bram said it was connected to uh, dogmas and everything else with the Catholic Church and so on. But it's like, <clears throat> let's, let's do it this way. Let's just say there's a cup of iniquity. And, and, and when you look at it, you hear about it in Scripture, but you can't see it. But if I'm God, I can see it, and I know exactly when that thing is full. You're looking at world events and saying, why doesn't God shut it down? Why doesn't God wrap it up? I mean, the atrocities and the things that were committed in the last week in, in, in the world. Why doesn't God shut it down? They're his people. But somehow or another, there's a measure that God has that he doesn't share with anyone that says, I know. I know what's going on. Believe me, I know. But I'm looking at another measure you don't see. Now just bear with me. Hang with me here now. Because when that's full, look out. But nothing's going to happen until that's full. What fills it? We really don't know, except somehow or another, they're abominations. And, but you ha- I mean, in my mind, my human mind, i got to wonder, how bad does it have to get? What, what in the world is next? But we find in all of these prophecies, in all of these situations here, God, God has somebody standing there with a line. And it's a cord of flax. It's, it's something, and a line is stretched out in Jerusalem. Cry yet, saith the Lord. My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall comfort Zion. Zechariah again. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, behold, four horns. And I said, and this is all chapter one, by the way, in Zechariah. And I said unto the angel that talked to me, what are these? And he said, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Horns represent power. That's all you need to know at this point. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. What do carpenters do? They take wood. They take trees. Some of them get pulled up and get cut down. And carpenters will take the wood and they'll fashion it into something to restore. They'll take it in a, a place to make something functional out of it, right? I mean, I'm telling you what the Bible says here. These are these are four carpenters that show up. One version says they are craftsmen. One version says they're blacksmith. One smith says they are tradesmen. The point is simply that when there's powers that control God's people, there's going to be people who are sent in to restore Israel back again. <laughs> 
I think they're ammunitions factories myself. And then said I, in verse 21, what came these to? Now, I, I got to ask you, stop and ask you a question. Do you think God knew what he was doing way back when he gave these prophets? Pfft, sure did. What came these to do, Zechariah says. And he spake, saying, these are the horns which have scattered Judah, so that no man did lift up his head. But these are come to fray them or to frustrate them. That word fray means to frustrate or make them uh, so confused they don't know what they're doing. To cast out the horns of the Gentiles which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah to scatter it. You know why? Because I got somebody in there with a measure. God's always measuring. Look here in Revelation 11. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel said, rise, measure the temple of God in the altar. Everywhere we find. Now, not everywhere, but a lot of places I find. This word measure. Can I go just a shade further? Isaiah 28. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. How many believe this is speaking of Christ? Do you believe that's speaking of Christ? Absolutely. Right? I'm going to lay, I, the word is going to come. Come on, the word's going to be made flesh and it'll be, it'll be right there. It'll be the cornerstone upon which we build everything in the New Testament. Now we're looking at it with understanding. They were looking at it with a future perspective. Now we're looking at it from hindsight. And yeah, that's what he said. God's going to lay down a, a solid foundation stone. And from that, everything is going to be built. And if your life is not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, your foundation is liable to shift. Meaning, 17, that judgment also will lay to the line and the righteousness to the plummet. You know what he's got? He's got a line in his hand. Ha! Ha! So in other words, I'm just using you for an example, all right? Don't sweat. You've sat on this front row a long time, taking a lot of abuse. And you come back. Bless your heart. What he's simply saying is that I'm going to lay down a foundation stone. And as we go through this New Testament, I'm going to have a, a plummet, which is a plumb bob, right? You want to find vertical? You want to find out if your wall is vertical? Or if you're laying wallpaper, you want to make sure your first piece is vertical. Because if it ain't, by the time we get over here, it's going to be way off. So you're constantly checking vertical with a plummet. That's the Old Testament word for a plumb bob. You can still buy one at Lowe's if you want, if you go to Lowe's. And he says, I'm going to lay that. Judgment will, all, will lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. Going to be based on what? The stone that God lays down, which is the word, right? Let me ask you, when God judges you, what's he going to judge you by? Some other doctrine or some other teaching or some other book. He know, he's already told us what book he's going to judge by. As I'm going to judge your righteousness by this plummet. Are you following me? <clears throat> I've often thought of the people who want to change their gender and insist that everyone believes that there's something else. But you know, when they get into judgment... God is going to judge them 
by his book and what he made them. People might spend their life trying to convince everyone else that they're not what they were born, but they were something else. But you know, that doesn't really matter, right? I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what I think you are. Because it matters who your creator made you. Because one day you're going to come right around and meet that creator again. And he's going to judge you not by how you feel or how many people you convinced. He's going to judge you by his word. That's what he's going to judge you by. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you like you are, is what the book says. You've got to deal with that, right? No matter what you think, you've got to deal with that. This word, this word measurement is a really important thing because what I've been saying to you this morning in part is that every one of you have to line up with God's word because it is God's word. It is the plummet he uses. It is the thing that God has in his hand that he actually is going to measure everything by. And it is really, really important for us to be sensitive to that because in the same way that God's measuring Jerusalem all over the place, and I got, there are hundreds of scriptures where, where somebody's measuring something in Jerusalem. Let me suggest to you why that may be, and I'll end here. But I suggest to you that God was always measuring Jerusalem as it was because he knew Jerusalem would go into great days and destruction and restoration and destruction. Come on. Restoration and destruction. Herod's, right? Babylonian kings. Everybody else. And then there'd be a Nehemiah rise up and an Ezra rise up. We build it up again and be destroyed. Build it up again and be destroyed. You can go today. If we were going to Israel in a month, we, we, we would actually go to the places where the stones that were thrown down are still there. They're thrown down on the ground and they're still there. And you can put your hand on them. The ones that, uh, the ones that were thrown down according to Daniel's prophecy, they're still on the ground in a pile, just a bunch of rubble. And then it'll be built up again in a glorious place. And then it'll be torn down again. But God made the measurements because he wanted the people of Israel to know that when I restore, I'm going to bring it back exactly to the way it should be. I got everything recorded. I got everything measured. And I, I know, I know what Israel's supposed to look like because I got it all measured and recorded. And I've got, uh, I got all of these scribes that have done this over time. And I'm going to bring it back to exactly the way it should be. Amen. You mark my words. Every bit of it is measured. That's why over in the book of Revelation, when uh, John is looking there and he sees New Jerusalem and he sees somebody with a measuring rod in their hand, you know what? They're confirming. It's exactly the way that God intended it. It's exactly the way that God had in his mind to build it. In other words, God lost nothing. God was not foiled by Satan and all of his kings and all of the armies that came against Jerusalem over all these years. And whether they're Hamas or whether they're Hezbollah or whether they're any other group that come against Jerusalem, I've got it marked and I've got it in my mind. I'll bring it back exactly the way that it should be. I am a restorer. Are you following me? But that's not even the best part. That's not even the best part. Brother Branham said, Christ never sent me to build an organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the stature of Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> you catch what he's, what he's actually saying here. That they may be a powerhouse and a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit by his word. By his word, see? Build up the individual He's not saying to build up Brandon Tabernacle. He's not saying build up Voice of God. He's not saying build up HBT. He's not saying build up any individual here or some minister. He's saying to build up the individual to that place that God has measured already. He's got a picture of you and a measurement of you from before the foundation of the world. And whether you realize it or not, he's bringing you to that measure by his word. By his word. This is a glorious statement. This is an important statement. By his word, build the individuals to that place. Not build an organization to a greater denomination, but build individuals to sons and daughters of God. And you know what? God's Holy Spirit's always around. Got a measuring tape. You ever see an old carpenter and they got a measuring tape in their apron? You know, always got one. Always got one. Measuring here. Oh man, we're out of shape there. We're out of, we're out of sink here. Oh, pff, ugly as a mud fence. Born ugly and took a back set. Well, we're going to have to work on that. And then measuring here at, at, how old are you? Nine. At nine years old, he should be this, should be this right here. And you know what? If he's lacking any, God knows how to inspire the ministry to minister to that uh, individual here to bring him to the measurement that God has in mind. And I believe this, that no matter how old or young you are, God's got a measuring tape around you all the time. And he's measuring here not to condemn you and not to kick you out. Not to look at your ruins because isn't it true? All of us, we go through times of destruction and ruin. And the devil takes your life and scares the gizzard out of you or messes up your mind or drugs or anything else. And God, and, and, and the devil will do that. And God says, ha, ah, you know what? I got a measuring tape though. And ah, yeah, he falls short. But you know what? I know how to build him up. I know how to get him back. Samuel, I know how God, let me tell you, God knows a whole lot about how to get you to where you need to be in this quote here than you do yourself. And the best thing you can do is let the Holy Spirit measure you and say, Lord, search my heart and know my heart. And if there's anything in my life, Lord, help me measure up. To what? To the plummet of the word, to the plummet of his righteousness. And let that word be your measuring line. Let that word be your correction. Let that word be the thing that uh, approves you, in a sense, that, that allows you to be able to, to, to have the Holy Spirit stand and say, yeah, you know what? He's right at the, right at the mark. I want, I want him to say, I don't know about you, but I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When I, when I take out the measuring line and I look at that brother Samuel, I say, whoa, yeah, right on, right on. We're going to go in, in through the gate. That's what I want to have. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not in this just to, just to run a church. I'm not in this just to perform weddings in cowboy boots. I'm not in this just to, you know, just to uh, travel the world, collect miles. It's not what I'm in this for. I'm in this for because I want the Holy Spirit every day. And this is the way I pray every day, just personally. And I pray every day, Lord, have your way in my life. And Lord, 
And I, I, never, I never articulate it as well as what Brother Branham says here. But Brother Branham, you know, a lot of people tried to get Brother Branham to be a denomination. They tried to get him to be a, an organization. They tried to get him to be on TV. And they tried to get him to get on the global stage. And they tried to get him to do all these kinds of things. And you know what the result of that would have been? It would have been a bigger organization. And Brother Bram said, well, I've read my job description. My job description is not that. He never sent me to build an organization. He sent me to build individuals in the stature of Christ. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If, if God had sent him to build an organization, hey, Brother Branham certainly had the means and the motive and the, you know, the opportunity to build himself an organization. But that was not on the job description. So you know what he did? Watch what he did. He took God's schedule, God's program, and he laid it next to his and Brother Bram said, the best thing you can do is schedule your program to match his. So he's telling us, God, I looked on the program and not, not supposed to build an organization. So I saw Brother Branham go to a meeting in South Africa. You know, it'd be 100,000 people there. Lightning, going, horizontal lightning going through the meetings and dogs that walk through. Sidney Jackson uh, told their family, he said, you know, uh, dogs walk through crippled on one side of the meeting and ran out on the other side completely healed. Dogs. And <clears throat> supernatural things happening and people healed just because they came within feet of Brother Brand. Never touched them and, and uh, never knew the language or everything else, but they were just people of faith and had, uh, you know, had that, that presence around him here. And then he would come home and he would just say, well, next weekend I'm not going to be here. I'm going to go down and preach in a little place called Milltown. And Milltown has enough of population you could fit inside a church here. And goes down, holds, holds a two or three day revival down there and prays for some old sister and lays hands on her. And you know what? She's healed and walks off because the whole concept of building an organization that's not you don't do that when you're trying to build a big organization when you're trying to build a big organization you build a bigger church and a bigger church and a bigger church and you have more cameras and you have more technicians and you have more choreographers and you have more musicians and you have more choir directors and are you with me you need more money so you got to more fundraising and you got to have more this more that and something else that's what you do you don't go to little towns like milltown and lay hands on people in a two or three day revival but you know what <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, he wasn't there to build an organization. He was there to build individuals in the stature of Jesus Christ. And you know what? To me, that job description, that commission never changed. And if that's still the work of the Holy Spirit, he's still interested in building you in the stature of Jesus Christ today. He wants you to be born again. That's where you started. That's the foundation. And then from that, we're going to build. But every, every stage of the building, we're going to take the plummet of the Word of God and we're going to check it going to line it up. And if it ain't what it's supposed to be, you know what? That's when you make correction. I was telling somebody the other day about going to Israel. Someone was disappointed we weren't going to Israel. And I said, it is better for us to cancel here than to be over there trying to find a plane. <laughs> when there ain't no planes. So let's make the decision now. So here's what I'm saying. If there's something in your life that's not right and the Word of God lays up against it and sees there's a gap, you know what? You're better off fixing that here than getting over there trying to make excuses. Remember this about this message. His eye was made more spiritual than yours to see things that God wanted you to know. And that's exciting. That, to me, that ramps up the whole idea of paying attention to what God said in our day. A powerhouse of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit powerhouse where even the simplest 
prayer among us. Even the oldest, maybe simplest believer here can offer a prayer and make devils tremble. Do you believe that's possible? Because it's not you, folks. It's you as a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. It's you as a temple of the living God. That's exactly what it is. And if that's the case, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to accomplish in your life, to make you a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. And to believe in such a way that your body's going to be changed in a moment. Unless you play, Sister Becky, I'm not going to stop preaching because I just feel like I could preach another. We could take a lunch break and then come right back at it again. How great. <clears throat> Let's. What? There's an army rising up. That's an excellent song. I was just coming over to say that. There's an army rising up. Let's sing it this morning here. If you like worshiping God, hey, there's a point to all of it. There's a purpose to all of it. All of it has to do with that measuring line that God has. You can't see it, just like you can't see this. That God has a cup of iniquity, and that measure is not full yet. One day, God's going to say, hey, you know what? We're done. That's it. In the same way, you can't see it. Brother Bram said, hey, we welcome all of you here in, in, uh, in the first quote I gave you. Brother Bram said about people healed. He said, it's not always what you see, but there's something happening in another realm. So you come to church, you know, and you realize, you go away, realize, oh, wow, huh, didn't know that. You know what that is? That's in another realm. God's trying to get something to you, and he got it to you. We need to act on that. We need to act on that. There's an army rising up. Sing it now. There's an army rising up. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every Every chain, break every chain. Sing it again now. Oh, there's an army rising up. There's an army. Break every every chain break every chain there is power there is Hallelujah. When pangs of death seized on my soul unto the Lord, I cried till Jesus came and made me whole. 
what you're looking at in the Middle East. You're not just looking at a bunch of people on a flat piece of ground fighting against Israel, you know, because of that piece of ground. I've been over that way. It's just a piece of ground. There's nothing hallowed, sacred, or, or important about it at all. I mean, it's just a, Gaza is just a piece of ground. But let me tell you something. When you take your rockets and you aim it at Jerusalem, you're kicking at something a whole lot bigger than just the Israeli defense forces. You're kicking at something rather than just a handful of soldiers. They have no idea what they're messing with. No idea who they're messing with. Because according to everything I read in the scripture, today, he is watching over Jerusalem. And you know what? If that's true, I can assuredly tell you that that same God is watching over you and me. He's watching over you and me. Watching over Ruby and watching over you and watching over your situation. And the devil better be careful about taking a a swing at you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hallelujah. I'm walking with the King. Praise His holy name. Oh, hallelujah. I'm walking with the King. Hallelujah. I'm walking with the King. Oh, hallelujah. I'm walking with the King. Every day I'm walking with the King. I will sing of the mercies of my Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of my Lord forever. I will sing on the mercies of the Lord. on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life Jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life it's Jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life change my life. 
Exactly, he brought us to this place. He knew exactly what he was doing, bringing us to this place. He, he, he brought your life to this hour. He knew exactly what you need in this hour. He knows exactly what's next. I'm excited about what's next. I don't know what's next, but I'm excited about what's next because I know you know what the God who brought me here is going to take me there too. All these steps that got me here, I, I believe it's been His hand. And the next step is His. The next step is His. Don't play games with church. Don't play games with God's word. Don't mess with the absolute and say, oh, I don't have to pay my tithes or I don't have to go to church or I don't have to, you know, stop uh, cutting my hair, whatever else. Don't play games with, with that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Be a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'd do. Be, just say, Lord, make me a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. And just let me have the power to be able to withstand the enemy. Don't, don't let me fall into a trap of comparing myself to somebody else. Paul said, Wednesday night, we read that. Paul said, don't do that. We don't want to compare. I'm better than them, so I don't need to pray. And I'm, I'm better than so-and-so. We're better church than that church. Don't do that. Don't, don't fall into that, that rut. Just say, Lord, make me a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. You planted me here. Lord, help me to do what you want me to do right here. I want to be on the, if there's a fight inside, I want to be on the right side. I want to be on the side where the pillar of fire hangs out. Right? Absolutely. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father. Today, order my. 
my steps, Lord. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Jesus, we thank you for the word of life. Thank you, O God, for the measuring line of the word of God. How, Lord, you've made it so clear what the word requires of us. And Lord, in this hour, in this late day, Lord, we want to find ourselves near that finish line. Lord, we want to find ourselves measuring up in every way. Lord Jesus, they without us in previous ages are not made perfect without us. And so, Lord, lay the measuring line on every individual here, Lord. This is not about building a kingdom and a church and a program. This is about shaping individual lives. Measure up to your word. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to minister to every heart. I pray, dear God, for your healing virtue to flow. Every person who's not well today, Lord, and there's several. And Father, they're listening today, I know, and I just pray that you would be merciful to them. Lord, heal their bodies, I pray. Drive sickness away. And Lord, when we go home, Lord, may we be a powerhouse of the Holy Spirit that, Lord, we can bring an atmosphere that chases away every demon of sickness, Lord. Father, have your way. We thank you for your hand of protection upon us. Lord, we thank you for your mercies, which are new every day. Lord Jesus, as we see prophecy fulfilled over and over and over again, and see things, Lord, come to pass exactly like your Bible says, even with the same words, Lord, it humbles us. It humbles us, Lord, and we realize we are the people you have chosen in this last day to see all of these things come to pass. And here we are living in the second coming of Christ, and Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be ready. Father, we commit the people now into your hands. Pray that you would bless this upcoming week. Have your way, Lord, in the camp and everything that's done. May it be for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Do you want to know where I'm going?
should be gone. God gives me grace. God is good, don't you think? Amen. We should be a happy people. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk to the people who are going to the camp this week for a few minutes just after service. So I'm going to let you go. We're going to sing this again. We're going to let you go so you can trail out. And if you're going to the camp, adults or young people, you want to stick around just for a minute here. And uh, then we'll let you all go. And uh, may God bless you. And we'll see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday night. Great to have all of you here. Great to have all of you visitors. Brother Doucette, always great to see you. Uh, Chris, God bless you. Good to have you. And uh, may the Lord be with you all as you go today. And may God bless your day. May God bless your week. And uh, hold you in the palm of his hand. Do you want to know where I'm going? Sing it as you go today.